0: Now, many of you, back in school, didn't like to take tests. Most often, we don't like to take tests because we feel like we're somewhat unprepared. I had a teacher in grade school who loved to give pop quizzes. She would say words like, put everything away. We're going to have a pop quiz. And the whole class would groan. Why? Because we felt so unprepared. A young man, he did very poorly on his exam, and his dad asked him, he says, why did you do so poorly on the exam? The young man said, absence. Now, in COVID, we certainly understand things like absence, because we've been sort of out of circulation for a little while. We're just getting back to school. So he said to his dad, absence. His father said, were you absent on exam day? No, the boy said, the boy who knows the answers sitting next to me was absent, God will certainly allow tests and trials to come into the believer's life. Tests in school are often written by the teacher to see if the student has assimilated the content, whether they have accumulated the knowledge, or if there's areas where the student needs to improve on. The section we're going to look at this weekend is Romans eight thirty-one to 39. Paul's going to ask some very profound questions. He's been teaching for eight chapters We are smack dab in the middle of the book. Perhaps some consider Romans 8 to be the most significant chapter Paul ever wrote. And he decides to give the church at Rome a midterm exam. Now, one way to look at this section is to see it as a midterm exam that we're going to give this Sunday, but we're not going to grade you. These questions are written to drive home the point. In fact. Paul's style is what's called diatribe, sort of a question-answer. It's what the Socratic method was, to see whether the student had um, learned the material. So the first question he asks, and we'll ask five of them this weekend, the first question is, what then shall we say in response to all of this? That's a good question, right? You've been listening for a while. You've heard what I've had to say now, what's your response to the things which I have spoken to you? The second question is a question of protection. He asks the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, <clears throat> around here we sing, um, if God is for us, then who can be against us? You know, the scriptures want us to understand that God is totally for us, and what Paul is going to try to tease out through this section is the fact that people often associate the love of God with favorable circumstances or feeling the love of God. What he wants to drive home is the fact that God is totally for us. The third question he asks is a question of provision if God has given us his son, verse 32, delivered him over for us, didn't spare his son, and gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously give us all things? This is the language of greater to lesser. If God has done the greater thing, then wouldn't he do the lesser thing of taking care of us? It's like my friend Zeke. If Zeke bought himself a brand new pickup truck, it's most likely that the dealer would give him some floor mats for the pickup truck, or if he bought a diamond for a beautiful young woman. It's most likely that the jeweler would give him a box to put his diamond into. What I'm trying to say is that if there's a bigger thing that God has done, namely salvation, won't he do the lesser thing of taking care of his children? But then Paul raises the fourth big question, the question of opposition. Here he will say, who will bring any charge against God's elect? Who will condemn them? Certainly, we have an enemy who would like to bring accusations against us and condemnations, but Paul's going to answer that by saying it's Jesus who died. He was risen from the dead. who's at the right hand of God who intercedes for his children. It's God who justified us. But perhaps the fifth question, and we'll stop with this, the fifth question is the most significant of all because he asked the question of love. In verse 35, he asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is there anything in this life, any hardship, any trouble, any trial, nakedness, famine, dangers, sword, anything at all that could separate us from the love of God? He's going to conclude by saying this great verses that we've learned over the years that I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are permanently secure in that relationship to him. He's not going to let go of us. So come this Sunday, we're going to dig into these five questions, some good questions to ask. Romans eight. 31 to 39, hope to see you then.